Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for another opportunity afforded to us that we may have the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the saving knowledge of him. Dear Father, you have promised that when we ask for wisdom, you will give liberally to us. We want wisdom now, not a superficial one, but a deep one. As we compare scripture with scripture now, may your spirit guide us and help us to come into a knowledge of the truth. Bless us, Father, with your word and possess me, Lord, with your spirit and put your words in my mouth that I may speak wonderful truths, saving truths to your children to the end that we may know you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him, January 21. A light to the young. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Luke chapter 2 verse 40. The example of Jesus is a light to the young, as well as to those of mature years, for his was a representative childhood and youth. From his earliest years, his example was perfect. In both his physical and spiritual nature, he followed the divine order of growth illustrated by the plant as he wishes all youth to do. Although he was the majesty of heaven, the king of glory, he became a babe in Bethlehem and for a time represented the helpless infant in its mother's care. In childhood, he did the works of an obedient child. He spoke and acted with the wisdom of a child and not of a man, honoring his parents and carrying out their wishes in helpful ways according to, to the ability of a child according to the ability of a child but at each stage of his development he was perfect with the simple natural grace of a sinless life joseph and especially mary kept before them the remembrance of their child's divine fatherhood jesus was instructed in accordance with the sacred character of his mission his inclination to write was a constant gratification to his parents. The questions he asked them led them to study most earnestly the great elements of truth. His soul-stirring words about nature and the God of nature opened and enlightened their minds. On the rocks and knolls about his home, the eye of the Son of God often rested. He was familiar with the things of nature. He saw the sun in the heavens, the moon and the stars fulfilling their mission. With a voice of singing, he welcomed the morning light. He listened to the lark caroling forth music to its God and joined his voice with the voice of praise and thanksgiving. Quiet and gentle, he seemed as one who was set apart. Whenever he could, he went out alone into the fields and on the mountain sides to commune with the God of nature. When his work was done, he wandered by the lakeside, among the trees of the forest, and in the green valleys, where he could think about God and lift his soul to heaven in prayer. Amen. 
The title of our devotion for today is A Light to the Young. Jesus, as we know, when he was born, there were these wise men that came to know about the Savior. And the story goes that Herod, when he couldn't convince these wise men to reveal to him the place where this child was, ordered the killing of every child from two years on. And the Lord told Joseph to go to Egypt at the time. And when he went to Egypt, a time came, he, he came back with Jesus. In the book of Luke chapter 2, verse 39 and 40, we are told, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Amen. So we want to understand and to know Christ, to know him. That's what we are actually trying to do, so that we can partake of the same things he partook of, that we may have a saving knowledge of him, because he's our example. So what do we read here in Luke 2 verse 40? That the child Jesus grew. This growth every child can have the advantage of doing. We saw in our devotion yesterday, the babe of Bethlehem, that we have the advantage of being born like Jesus was born. Though not at the same time, Jesus was born of the Spirit right from his mother's womb. He was conceived of the Spirit, born of the Spirit. We may not have that experience in our own first birth, but we can have that experience as we believe in Jesus to be born of God. And then we become partakers of the divine nature. And then we can be called the sons of God, just like Jesus. But then after that has ex- have happened in reality, when you believe in Jesus and you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit is poured upon you. There is a growth experience, just like Jesus needed to grow It doesn't mean now that just because we have the Holy Spirit, we have become perfect. We also need to grow. The Bible says Jesus grew. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 70, paragraph 1, it says, The child Jesus did not receive instruction in the synagogue schools. His mother was his first human teacher. From her lips and from the scrolls of the prophets, he learned of heavenly things. The very words which he himself had spoken to Moses for Israel, he was now taught at his mother's knee. Amen. End of quote. It says, they're continuing, that he had to learn from his mother. Jesus had to learn. This means a lot. Divinity. This was someone who was a partaker of the divine nature. And some would say he had the advantage. What we read now was that he grew. He didn't have everything. He wasn't perfect in knowledge, perfect in strength like the fictional character called Superman, Kal-El. You know, that is actually what some people think Jesus was like. Like from birth, he could lift up heavy things and throw very mighty things and had superpowers. No, nothing like that. The same experience you have when you are given the Holy Spirit Jesus had when he was born. He had the advantage of godly parents, of his mother, blessed woman, Mary. The Lord committed to her this great responsibility and she did not fail to train the child Jesus. She had to study her Bible. When he asked questions, she had to study so that she can give him the right teaching and example. Divinity was not omniscient. This Jesus, the baby, though divine, of course, in him, that doesn't mean divinity is not omniscient in the point, of course, but the human Jesus was not omniscient. They were separate individualities as we studied yesterday. He was not drawing from his divinity but was totally human. Like we read in our devotion the time we know him, page 27, paragraph 2. It says, Although he was the majesty of heaven, the king of glory, he became a babe in Bethlehem. And for a time, he represented the helpless infant in its mother's care. What did I say? 
helpless infant in his mother's care. In childhood, he did the works of an obedient child. He spoke and acted with the wisdom of a child and not of a man, honoring his parents and carrying out their wishes in helpful ways according to the ability of a child. But at each stage of his development, he was perfect with the simple natural grace of a sinless life. So what was Jesus' perfection about? Sinlessness. It does not mean that he was perfectly strong, perfectly knowledgeable, perfect in all his physical features. Just as you will give a child a large thing to carry and they cannot lift it up, Jesus could not also lift large things. Jesus had to learn to talk. He was not born and then being able to say, Thus says the Lord. He was not born and then from the time he was born, he starts to say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. He needed to be taught all of those things. He needed to be taught to read. He needed to be taught to write. He needed to be taught to speak. And he did not do things beyond his strength, beyond his ability as he was a child. But yet, he stood out because of the training he received and the fact that he was born of the Spirit. This experience of growth is the experience that we may all have when we are born again and become the sons of God. Just because you have been born again and become the sons of God, son of God, doesn't mean you don't have no need to learn. Also, Jesus was born does not mean he had no need to learn. He had every need to learn just as much as anyone who today is born of the Spirit, who is born again and become partakers of the divine nature as we studied yesterday. Jesus used the illustration of the growth of a seed to express what the life of a converted Christian, like we call it today, a born-again Christian, will look like, which is also the life that he had. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 29, it says, So is the kingdom of God, Jesus was speaking, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after the, that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it, forth, put it in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Amen. By the way, how was Jesus able to use these illustrations? It was his education. That was why Jesus was able to use this illustration of the seed. He himself had received the right education from nature. And he used this to illustrate what his own life and our lives should be when we are born again. You need to grow. We all need to grow. And how do we grow? He says in verse 27, Mark 4, he says, You will sleep and rise night and day. You plant a seed. As little children plant a seed, even adults. You notice that little by little, the seed is growing. It's, first of all, it shoots out from the ground. And then you see the seed, maybe if it's a bean seed or it just opens up and then what happens? There was life in it and then something starts to come out, leaves come out. And then later on, it gets bigger and bigger. Every day, night and day, you wake up, you are seeing it, it is growing up. But at every stage, will you say that because it is a, is a seed perfect? A seed is not a tree, but it is perfect as a, as a seed. A tree is not a seed, but it is perfect as a tree. That seed is perfect just as it is because that is what it is meant to be. And when it is planted at every stage of its growth, it is still perfect. Even though it has not produced a leaf, just when it is shooting out, it is a perfect shooting out. That is a perfect shoot. And when it has brought leaves, it is a perfect leaf. And when it starts to bring out branches, it is still perfect till it grows. At all stages, it is perfect. And that's how Jesus was. As far as that tree does not have any defect, even it, if it has not reached the stage to bring fruit, 
and it has reached the stage to bring out leaves and it has brought out leaves, it is perfect. It has reached the stage to bring out more branches and it has done that, it is perfect. It has brought out flowers, it is perfect. And then when the fruit comes, it is perfect. The tree with the fruit is not more perfect than the one that just sprung out from the ground. None is more perfect than the other. They are perfect in their sphere. The child that is just born is perfect in its sphere if it is doing what it's supposed to do. The child that is growing, the adult prophet is not more perfect than that child. They are perfect all in their sphere. And that is what the Christian life is like when we are converted. Reading from Christ Object Lessons, page 63, paragraph 2, and downward to express what this growth is like. It says, There is life in the seed and there is power in the soil. But unless an infinite power is exercised day and night, the seed will yield no returns. The showers of rain must be sent to give moisture to the thirsty fields. The sun must impart heat. Electricity must be conveyed to the buried seed. The life which the Creator has implanted, He alone can call forth. Every seed grows. Every plant develops by the power of God. You see that? So when we are born of God, remember? John 1 verse 12, as many as believed on him, to them gave he what? Power to become sons of God. So also, it is by the power of God, by drinking of the living water constantly, that is how you grow. Continuing the reading, it says, the germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life. What was the beginning of spiritual life for Jesus? His birth, the human Jesus, that was the beginning of his spiritual life. For some of us, the beginning of our spiritual life is 10 years after we are born. For others, 20, 30, 25, 50 years, that's when your spiritual life begins. It begins when you accept Jesus. When the divine nature is given to you, when the spirit of the Lord is accepted by you through your belief in Jesus, that is the beginning of spiritual life. And as I said, for Jesus, from his birth, the beginning of spiritual life. It says here the germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life and the development of the plant is a beautiful figure of Christian growth. As in nature, so in grace. There can be no life without growth. The plant must either grow or die. As its growth is silent and imperceptible but continuous, so is the development of the Christian life. At every stage of development, our life may be perfect. Yet if God's purpose for us is fulfilled, there will be continual advancement. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. As our opportunities multiply, our experience will enlarge and our knowledge increase. We shall become strong to be a responsibility and our maturity will be in proportion to our privileges. The plant grows by receiving. So this is how the growth happens. The plant and Jesus' growth, that was how it happened. By receiving that which God has provided to sustain its life. It sends down its roots into the earth. It drinks in the sunshine, the dew and the rain. It receives the life-giving properties from the air. So the Christian is to grow by cooperating with the divine agencies. Feeling our helplessness, we are to improve all the opportunities granted us to gain a fuller experience. As the plant takes root in the soil, so we are to take deep root in Christ. As the plant receives the sunshine, the dew and the rain, we are to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. The work is to be done not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, said the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4 verse 6. Do you see how much is dependent on the Spirit, being born of the Spirit like Jesus, conceived of the Spirit? born called that holy thing the son of god the spirit is what makes us partakers of the divine nature and it is the spirit that makes us grow continuing the reading it says if we keep our minds stayed upon christ he will come unto us as the rain as the latter and former rain unto the earth hosea 6 verse 3 
as a son of righteousness. He will arise upon us with healing in his wings. Malachi 4 verse 2. We shall grow as the lily. We shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. Hosea 14 verse 5 and 7. By constantly relying upon Christ as our personal Savior, we shall grow up into him in all things which is our head. Let me stop here. I'll continue the reading. I want us to understand that this was how Jesus himself grew. By constantly relying upon his Father, he grew up into all things. He received, just like the soil, received everything that is for his growth, whether it is the air. He took his root deep to study the word of God and he received the nutrients from the word of God and the sun was shining upon him from his Father and he grew. And we also must be dependent, must be dependent upon Jesus, must depend, be dependent on the Father that we may grow. Continuing the reading, it says, The wheat develops how? First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. The object of the husbandman is the sowing in the sowing of the seed, and the culture of the growing plant is the production of grain. He desires bread for the hungry and seed for the future harvests. So the divine husbandman looks for a harvest as the reward of his labor and sacrifice. And sacrifice. Christ is seeking to reproduce himself in the hearts of men. And he does this through those who believe in him. Do you remember that text again? John 1 verse 12. As many as believed in him, to them he gave power to become Jesus. To become what? The sons of God. And what is the son of God? Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. And that's what Jesus wants to do in us. To reproduce himself in us. The object, the final part of the reading says, the object of the Christian life is fruit bearing the reproduction of christ's character in the believer that it may be reproduced in others end of quote amen you see this is the experience christ was having and he was growing and as we accept him into our lives in the person of the holy spirit the same experience may be ours so what was the childhood of jesus like as we read he was being taught by his mother and father this is what was bringing about the growth. Luke 2 verse 40, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God upon him. We read that it was Joseph and especially Mary that trained him. Reading from Messages to Young People, page 78, paragraph 2, he says, Christ is our example in all things. In the providence of God, his early life was passed in Nazareth, where the inhabitants were of that character that he was constantly continually exposed to temptations and it was necessary for him to be guarded in order to remain pure and spotless amid so much of sin and wickedness christ did not select this place for himself his father his heavenly father chose this place for him whether where his character will be tested and tried in a variety of ways the early life of christ was subjected to severe trials hardships and conflicts that he might develop the perfect character which makes him a perfect example of children youth and manhood end of quote and we also, when we become born again, the Lord will test us. He will take us through different experiences, severe trials, hardships, conflicts, so that we can develop perfect characters. And that's why some people know that after they are baptized, suddenly your temptations increase. The Lord is trying to perfect your character. You are even a man. How much more a little child like Jesus, as he was born, he was subjected to poverty, hardship, severe trials, conflicts everywhere, as that little babe. But we are even adults, and yet... We say Christ had an advantage. No. The same thing he experienced, God wants us to experience, that the character of Christ may be reproduced in us. Continuing the reading, it says, Children and youth are frequently situated where their surroundings are not favorable to a Christian life, and they quite readily yield to temptations and plead as an excuse for pursuing a course of sin that their surroundings are unfavorable. Christ chose retirement and through a life of industry, keeping his hands employed, oh, that I may know him. This is a strategy to overcome temptation, 
keeping his hands employed, he did not invite temptation, but kept aloof from the society of those whose influence was corrupting. Christ placed his feet in the most uneven parts that children and youth would ever be called to travel. He did not have allotted to him a life of affluence and indolence. End of quote. So we cannot plead that our environment is an excuse. No, we can't. Christ had the same kind of evil environment, but he solved the problem by always being busy. Let me finish. Continuing still. Messages to Young People, page 79, paragraph 4. None will ever be called to perfect Christian character under more unfavorable circumstances than that of our Savior. The fact that Christ lived 30 years in Nazareth, from which many thought it a wonder if any good thing could come, is a rebuke to the youth who consider that their religious character must conform to circumstances. If the surroundings of youth are unpleasant and positively bad, many take this an excuse for not perfecting Christian character. The example of Christ will rebuke the idea that his followers are dependent upon place, fortune or prosperity in order to live blameless lives. Christ will teach them that their faithfulness will make any place or position where the providence of God called them honorable, however humble." End of quote. So we talk about country living and children need to grow up in the countryside. Yes, our Lord, in his home at least it was a place that was more retired. But the environment he was, Nazareth, was not a place that was free from corruption. His home itself, within his own home, of course it's Joseph and Mary, free from corruption. The place selected within the, city, within the town or city of Nazareth was a more retired part of Nazareth. But nevertheless, he had to interact with the people of Nazareth going out and coming in. His father was a carpenter. He goes out and comes in and sees people. He interacts with them. The people in the environment, even though his side was retired, that doesn't mean that his neighbor and those living around were people who were godly. Nathaniel asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because everybody knew that Nazareth was the Bronx. Everybody knew that it was a, it was a place for all kinds of evil. And that was where Jesus grew having no extra advantage than the advantage of godly parents that taught him the word of God, which many of us may have or may not. That was, that was what he had. That was what he had. By that, he was able to live a sinless life even in Nazareth. So let's look at his spiritual life, what it was like. Reading from Bible Commentary, Volume 5, page 1116, 1116, paragraph 7. It says, it is not correct to say, as many writers have said, that Christ was like all children. He was not like all children. Why? Maybe you are thinking now that I want to read something that will say, oh, he had some extra sensitive perception, some extra thing. No. Why was he not like all children? Let's listen now. It says, many children are misguided and mismanaged, but Joseph and especially Mary kept before them the remembrance of their child's divine fatherhood. Jesus was instructed in accordance with the sacred character of his mission. His inclination to write was a constant gratification to his parents. End of quote. So we read this in the devotion also. So it was his training. It's not any supernatural thing he had in his flesh. His training is what makes him different from other children. Going on downward now in page 1117 paragraph 2 it says, He was an example of what all children may strive to be. If what? If they are born of the Holy Ghost from their womb? No. Example of what all children may strive to be if parents will seek the Lord most earnestly and if children 
will cooperate with their parents. In his words and actions, he manifested tender sympathy for all. His companionship was as a healing, soothing balm to the disheartened and depressed. No one, looking upon the childlike countenance shining with animation, could say that Christ was just like other children. He was God in human flesh. When urged by his companions to do wrong, divinity flashed through humanity, and he refused decidedly. In a moment, and by the way, before I go on, divinity can flash through humanity for you too. If you are a partaker of the divine nature, when you also are called to do evil, divinity will flash through humanity and you will refuse. So it says here, when he was called to do wrong, divinity flashed through humanity, he refused decidedly and we can do the same. In a moment, he distinguished between right and wrong and placed sin in the light of God's commands. Holding up the law as a mirror, which reflected light upon wrong. End of quote. So this is what Jesus' spiritual life was like. He knew the word of God. He knew the commandments. He could immediately remember it. That his parents taught him. He didn't know it from his womb. He was taught and so when he is called to do evil, immediately he remembers the commandments, divinity flashes through humanity, he refuses decidedly to do evil. Holding up the law as a mirror, that's what we read, holding it up as a mirror, it reflected light upon the wrong. He knew it and he would refuse even as a child. That is what made him that sin sinless child, youth and man. And we read that his example is for every one of us. And how about his domestic life? Reading from Youth Instructor, July 27, 1893 paragraph 2 it says the life of jesus was filled with industry and he took exercise in performing varied tasks in harmony with his developing physical strength in doing the work that was marked out for him he had no time for indulgence in exciting useless amusements he took no part in that which would poison the moral and lower the physical tone but was trained in useful labor and even for the endurance of hardship end of quote so in the training of a child and of ourselves even as adults to know how to overcome this is what jesus life was like he was always busy no time for indulgence and excitement and useless amusements how many of us are like that we usually have time for this and because of affluence it's a problem for us jesus did not have that affluence he needed to walk so that he can eat so he was always walking always walking and for us, we need to discipline ourselves. If the Lord have granted you affluence, it shouldn't be a curse to you. You need to discipline yourself, not necessarily because you, do, you, you are looking for what to eat, because you have too much already, but just discipline yourself so that you will not fall into temptation. In paragraph 8 of the same reading, it says, The education of Christ during the time he was subject to his parents was of the most valuable kind. In performing the common duties of life, he became inured to a life of privation and hardship. The physical and mental exercise that was necessary to the performance of his tasks developed both physical and mental strength. His life of industry and retirement closed the avenues through which Satan could enter to tempt him to the love of vanity and display. He waxed strong in body and spirit, thus gaining a preparation for the duties of manhood and for the performance of the important duties that afterward devolved upon him. He increased in wisdom and stature, growing in favor with God and man. Let our youth do likewise. End of quote. There's one thing we are learning as our example, how Jesus is our example. It is that he intentionally closed every avenue that the devil could use to tempt him. By doing what? Always being busy, always working, having no time for pleasure. The idle man has a million devils to deal with. And the busy man has just one devil to deal with. And what's that? The work he's doing. But when you become free, 
that lacks time you have too much then you'll find out that the devil has your time and you also has his time you see the wisdom in jesus's life that there was no time where this could happen to him we've seen it repeated in all the readings that he was always busy and this was how he grew when we say the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and he was also growing in wisdom it is because of the training he grew both physically mentally and morally his spiritual life was getting better and better physically he was strong he was healthy and it's because of the way he followed the laws of nature always working the muscles are getting grow are getting better and better also his blood is flowing he's like i say strong in spirit this is the experience that we should have and if there's any youth today are saying oh i i, I i'm different my experience i have had myself falling in a lot of sins i'm struggling i cannot stand the way jesus was his life is just so perfect and i see mine are so different from his i have an encouragement for us to read manuscript releases volume 4 page 235 starting from paragraph 2 it says jesus was sinless and had no dread of the consequences of sin with this exception his condition was as yours you have not a difficulty that Jesus, that did not press with equal weight, weight upon him, not a sorrow that his heart has not experienced. His feelings could be hurt with neglect, with indifference of professed friends, as easily as yours. Is your part thorny? Christ's was so in a tenfold sense. Are you distressed? So was he. How well fitted was Christ to be an example? Jesus was 30 years old before he entered his public ministry. The period of his childhood and youth was one of comparative obscurity, but of highest importance. He was in this obscurity, laying the foundation of a sound constitution and vigorous mind. He grew and waxed strong in spirit. Luke 1 verse 80. It is not as a man bending under the pressure of age that Jesus is revealed to us, traversing the hills of Judea. He was in the strength of his manhood. Jesus once stood in age just where you now stand. Your circumstances, your cogitations at this period of, lo- of your life, Jesus has had. He cannot overlook you at this critical period of your life. He sees your dangers. He is acquainted with your temptations. He invites you to follow his example. The character of Christ was one of an exampled excellence. Embracing everything pure, true, lovely and of good report. We have no knowledge of his ever visiting a party of pleasure or a dance hall. And yet he was the perfection of grace and courtly bearing. Christ was no novice. He was distinguished for the high intellectual powers he possessed even in the morning of his life. His youth was not wasted in indolence. Neither was it wasted in sensual pleasure, self-indulgence or frittered away in things of no profit. Not one of his hours from childhood to manhood was misspent. None were misappropriated. The inspired record says of him, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Luke 2 verse 52. As he grew in years, he grew in knowledge. He lived temperately. His precious hours were not wasted in dissipating pleasures. He had a truly healthy body and true powers of mind. His physical and mental powers could be expanded and developed as yours or any other youths. The word of God was his study as it should be yours. When was the last time you studied your Bible? Take Jesus as your standard. Imitate his life. Fall in love with his character. 
walk as Christ walked. A new spring will be given to your intellectual faculties, a larger scope to your thoughts, when you bring your powers into vigorous contact with eternal things, which are intrinsically grand and great. End of quote. Amen. Amen. To youth, to children, and to adults. Here is your example in Christ Jesus. Wherever it is you are standing, Jesus also once stood. The time of his youth, though the word of God has very little to say about it, what was he doing? He was developing himself physically and mentally. When he enters the stage of action in his ministry at the age of 30, we don't see him as an old man bent, cannot walk from place to place. Jesus would trek everywhere. He was strong. Even sometimes he walked on water. This one time he walked on water. But other than that, he would use the boats. But once he's done with that boat, what does he do? All he was doing was trekking, walking long distances. And he don't, sometimes he's tired, but yet he's strong enough to do such work. In the first 30 years of his life, this man was preparing himself. Doesn't mean he was going to carry dumbbells and get him muzzle. No, he was working in a carpenter's shop. Doesn't mean he was doing push-ups and press-ups press and bench presses. That was not what he was doing. He was doing domestic labor. Sweeping the home, sweeping the compound, going to the carpenter's shop. Have you done carpenter's work before? Have you taken a saw and tried to cut wood? It takes great energy, great strength to do that. Have you taken a hammer to hit nail into the wood? Great energy, great strength to do that. Carrying the wood on your head from place to place, even if it's by a wheelbarrow, to push it, to push that barrel with a lot of wood on it and take it from one place where you bought it to your shop, it's a lot of work. Jesus was developing physically as he was you doing useful labor. I'm not necessarily condemning exercise. I'm not condemning it as a bad thing. Depending on your station in life, you may need it. But it's always better that your energy is expended usefully so that when you have finished using your energy, you have used it to achieve something while you have also developed yourself physically. You know, when we do the bench presses and push-ups and press-ups upon part of the chest and the muscles, you have not really benefited anything. Sometimes you are now tired. You cannot even do useful labor. You are so tired that you cannot wash your clothes. You cannot sweep your house. You cannot sweep the compound. You cannot do useful labor. The energy was expended just simply in doing what? Pumping, pushing out the chest and pumping out the muscles. That's all. But if you had done useful labor, you would have still achieved the same thing. And it's not about physical look. Because many times these exercises just make you look physically attractive. That's all. It doesn't mean you are stronger than the farmer. It doesn't mean you are stronger than any other person. But the man who is working in the farm, the one who is the carpenter, you will see that he has a better hold of equipment than yourself. And when it comes to strength, he may very well be better than you who have been doing the bench presses and push-ups and press-ups and squats. Like I said, I'm not saying these things are wrong. Depending on your station, some people need to do this because they may not have any other thing to do that is useful labor. But Jesus suffered all these things. And he was developing himself physically and after that he will still study his bible no time for dissipation no time for pleasure and self-indulgence and party no time for the dance hall you don't see jesus going to the dance hall to shake and do all these kind of things you don't see jesus listening to secular music he has no time to plug his ears for those things if he's plugging his ears he's plugging it with godly music psalms hymns spiritual songs and the word of god and he's memorizing it while he's walking. That was the life of our Lord Jesus and he stood where we now stand, whether as adults or as children. And we can follow his example and if we follow his example, he becomes the light to the young and to adults and we will grow. This is the growth. 
he was born of the spirit and if you are born of the spirit this is the life you should live you cannot say you are born of the spirit and you are going to the dance hall you are going to the parties you are going for all these pleasures having time for frivolities looking at tiktok and youtube shorts and facebook shorts and having time to watch things the filth out of the internet having time for frivolities like sports and entertainment of all kinds jesus had no time for this if you were born of the spirit jesus was born of the spirit if you are if you are born again if you have been converted you will not have time for this there are many people who claim to be born again you don't know what it means to be born again if you are born again you are that holy thing the son of god and if you are the son of god jesus is the standard he is the example of what it means to be a son of god and you will live the same life he lived and you can't do it we all can do it god has given us the ability the promise that we can be partakers of the divine nature let us exercise faith today that we may know him and the excellency of the knowledge of jesus christ will make us to live the same life he lived and we can as it were like we read earlier have the life and character of christ reproduced in us amen let us pray thank you dear father for being a light to us thank you jesus for living the life that you lived and showing us an example whether as children or as youth or as adults help us lord to have no idle moments to encourage temptation help us lord to engage in useful labor that we may develop ourselves physically mentally spiritually that the faculties of our mind may get better that as we observe things in nature we will grow and as we walk domestically we will develop physically and then as we study your word we will increase in wisdom and knowledge like our lord jesus that the fullness of christ may be in every one of us help us to reflect the image of our lord jesus that we may know you O lord in jesus name i've prayed amen This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org.